You're listening to What The Flux. This is Brett. And this is Justin, and it's Wednesday the 12th of February. Good morning, Justin. Good How morning, are you this Brett? fine morning? Very well. Well, it's great news for Melbournians, but bad news for everyone else. Let me tell you why. Why? Melbourne's status as the eSports capital of Australia has been confirmed. <laughs> the eSports Open is making its way down under in August. Love it. We've taken the Oz Open, we've got the Grand Prix, now we've got the eSports, the three biggest tournaments in Australia. <laughs> in the universe. <laughs> and Brett, big news for you as well. Tell me. The Flux podcast was Apple's podcast, uh, new and noteworthy. Big news this so one. a big welcome to our new Flux listeners. Lovely to welcome have you to new listeners. Welcome Flux family. Justin, we have three amazing stories today. I genuinely cannot wait to get into it. Let's get into it. All right. For our first story, George Columbaris's restaurant empire has crumbled. The celebrity chef has put his company into voluntary administration with around 22 restaurants and 400 jobs set to go, sadly. Interestingly, the only part of the business excluded from administration is a chain of four Yochi stores. And thank God for that. Yochi is the greatest thing mm. to happen to yogurt since Petite Miyam yogurt back in the early 1990s. <laughs> Yum. Such nostalgia, a vital part of any primary school lunch. The decision to shut down the company comes after it came out last year that staff were backpaid all almost $8 million in wages and superannuation. And they blamed Uber Eats and Deliveroo for changing consumer tastes to cheaper options. So what's the key learning here? A business still needs to be run like a business, even if it has the celebrity as its face. And serves delicious saganaki and <laughs> fries with oregano, garlic oil and feta. Mm, just thinking about it, I'm starving. <laughs> but this means that it still needs to pay wages correctly, superannuation correctly, and build a strong work culture. It does. Now, Colin Barris is not the only one in this mess. That's true. He actually joins the long list of other hospitality companies. That what do we call them? Hospitalitarians? I am not sure. Hospitality people <laughs> that have gone into liquidation or voluntary administration over the last couple of years. That includes the macaron master himself, Adriana Zumbo. The Brit, Jamie Oliver. And most recently, Heston Blumenthal. What is it about celebrity chefs that appear on MasterChef <laughs> and then have struggling restaurant empires? Does MasterChef give these chefs the kiss of death? <laughs> I'm staying away. <laughs> For our second story, Slack, the US tech company that does workplace collaboration, as they call it, has downplayed a report that sent its share price soaring by 15% and then dropped by 8%. This is an interesting one. Brett, so what is Slack? Well, Slack helps work teams message each other and share files. So it's a bit like MSN Messenger for grown-ups? Exactly. Just um, way less anxiety when your crush comes online. <laughs> exactly. But with Slack, replace the word crush with boss <laughs> and chit chat with deliverables. Mm. So here's what's happened. A news company reported that Slack had just scored the biggest customer deal ever. Now, that biggest customer deal ever was supposedly IBM. But here's the thing. Later that day, Slack was like, um, what are you guys talking about? Mm. IBM's been our largest customer for several years. In fact, 86% <laughs> of the IBM workforce already use Slack. So what is the key learning here? As we know, fake news has become a buzzword in politics. It has. And this, my friend, was fake news. But in a business way. Exactly. What's even more crazy, though, than a well-known news outlet spreading incorrect financial updates is that Slack's share Price went up and then down and still ended the day up 7%. It's bizarre stuff. Investors learnt that the IBM news was untrue but still ended up rewarding Slack anyway. This just goes to show how irrational the share markets can still be. 
For our third and final story, the NBN Co., the government-owned corporation that has built and is operating Australia's national broadband network, has announced a half-year loss of over $2 billion. Ouch. So what's happened here? Well, it's quite simple. They've created a brand new network (laughs) that, uh, when complete, will be ranked 60th in the world Uh, for download speed. Face plant. All right, all right. (laughs) We all do have our frustrations with NBN, but the real reason for the half-year loss was a number of one-off costs. But there must be some good news, surely. Well, revenue was up 39%. But here's what's interesting. The MBN has been vocal about ARPU. What, what did you say? ARPU. And we aren't talking about the proprietor who runs the Quickie Mart. <laughs> it's an acronym for Average Revenue Per User. The MBN's average revenue per user, ARPU, is 10% less than what was initially targeted. NBN Co. has now hooked up 6.5 million slow households to the NBN, but there are over 10 million that are still ready to connect. The rollout is expected to finish by June 2022. Now, Justin, the NBN, it reminds me of Hans Molman from The Simpsons. Why is that? So slow, but always just... Almost there. <laughs> a few Simpson gags in this one. Had to happen. But Brett, what's the key learning? Well, although NBN Co. is making progress slowly... Revenue is increasing. Customers are being activated. The whole shebang is almost complete. But as we know, Telstra, Optus and Vodafone are all racing to build 5G networks, which is the next generation mobile technology that will be significantly faster than the NBN. We all know that Australian consumers value speed. That's why we only do a five-minute podcast. That's right. So it could be all over Red Rover for NBN before it even begins to stay. Flux family, we've loved being with you this morning. I'm genuinely excited for tomorrow as well. Thanks for listening and we'll see you tomorrow.